What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly role-playing games, because they let you play as a bunch of Bjorks. Yeah, so my last episode generated about 15 minutes of calls. Well, actually, my last two episodes and we'll that that's what we're gonna primarily get into today and happily for most only three of those calls are of the political nature and as per usual we will save those till the very end um but yeah today we're gonna talk a little bit more about Boba Fett because I forgot one of the things that makes Boba Fett really really awesome and Henchman is gonna point that out to start off the show uh and then we'll dive into some Icelandic werewolf games. We'll dive into what Sigil and Shadows is, because if you remember in my last episode, Joe Salvador called in about Sigil and Shadows, and I thought both of those words were awesome, and even more awesome the fact that they were together, but I knew nothing at all about that, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about Russ Myers, and yeah, we'll get into we'll get into all that stuff, but first I want to mention... Um, you know, something that I, I, I like, I, you know, sometimes I talk about stuff I don't like other times I talk about stuff that I like. So just the other day I got an email from one of my favorite gaming companies. One of the few companies that I actually like buy supplements from, uh, it's called raging swan press. I may have talked with them before. They're really cool. They make little, uh, what they just, the email they sent me was, Hey, uh, we have two little one-page supplements for free right now, so here you go. And they sent me the link, not just me, probably everyone who subscribes to Raging Swan Press on drive-thru. And it's it's cool. So one of them is a little one-page border town. It's got a few NPCs, a couple shops, and they, they're system agnostic, right? Like for the NPCs, it'll say a name for the... For the cleric, I forget the name right now. I'm not looking at it and reading aloud is not one of my favorite things. But for the cleric, it describes her. It says, gives her name, then says, female human cleric three. So that's pretty system agnostic. Um, and then her description is she has sad brown. She's yeah, she has sad brown eyes, but an easy smile. So that gives you a description and kind of an insight into her, you know, her mannerisms and her attitude and everything. They're they're just a really cool company. I like them. They have some really cool products. A lot of things, uh, you know, most of their stuff is like random tables and stuff. So I don't know if you're ever looking for a quick way to stock a town or a dungeon or like dungeon dressing ideas or anything. Raging Swan Press is pretty cool. Uh, they seem, they seem like solid people who's coming to my mom's house right now. I do not know. Oh, nobody. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So yeah, let's get into the call. Starting off with Goblin's henchmen talking about why Boba Fett is rad. Other than just the fact that he looks very cool. Okay. Henchmen, you're up. Hi Joe. In defense of Boba Fett. The whole empire is looking for the Millennium Falcon. Everybody. Darth Vader with all his fancy forcey stuff. Yep, can't find him. 
guess he finds the Millennium Falcon Boba Fett. I'll just leave that hanging there. Boom! Boom! Boba Fett does do more than just looks cool. I wish I had remembered that, but thank you, henchmen, for defending my favorite. The Fett is awesome. Like Henchman pointed out, he was the only one that could and did find the Millennium Falcon, and that rules. That makes him the best bounty hunter. Another reason he should be everybody's favorite character. No, just kidding. Um, but he is a total badass for doing that. And again, his ship is very cool. So thank you so much for standing up for Boba Fett and reminding all of us exactly how awesome he is other than just looking really cool. So speaking of awesome, if you folks, if you toss your mind back a couple episodes, you'll remember BJ Boyd, the arcane alienist, talking about the possibility that all of us were just living in a Taika, Taika Waititi film because of all these crazy connections. And so Carl Rodriguez, the geomologist, has an amazing, awesome suggestion. Take it away, Carl. Hey, Joe, I know I should be calling into BJ's podcast, but, you know, if we're in a Taika Waititi show, BJ, when are you going to run um, Tales from the Loop? The Reservation Dogs chapter. So setting like a Tales from the Loop type of rule system in uh, the Reservation Dogs show. I think it would totally work. And BJ, you'd be the one to do it. i totally play. I'm coming to a convention near you. When's the next convention in Oklahoma? Or maybe at RichterCon 2020X. Um, That would be hella cool. BJ running uh, Reservation Dogs slash Tales from the Loop. That sounds absolutely amazing, Carl. I know nothing about the show. I do know Tales from the Loop, though, and that's a fun game. Um, and yeah, that that setup of BJ running Tales from the Loop set in the Reservation Dogs world milieu kind of sounds like an amazing situation that would be best served at RichterCon 2020X, you know? When will it happen? I don't know. We're running out of 2020s. <laughs> We're in two. We're closing. We're halfway, almost halfway done with two. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I got seven and a half years left. Hopefully by then I'll get something figured out. Um, But, dude, I sign me up for that game when RichterCon 2020X comes around. But I also want to make it clear that when RichterCon 2020X does come around, like, me signing up for a game won't hold any more priority than anyone else signing up for a game. So it's not like I'll have first dibs or anything. Uh, Yeah, so, folks, (laughs) there's the first game on the docket. Yeah. that's it. That's that. <laughs> That's all for now. That is all for now. Okay. Okay. Up next, we're going to talk a little bit about sigil and shadow, which are two amazing words. And I asked a question and talked about how I don't like doing my own research and how I like asking questions and having people tell me stuff. And people did. People were kind enough to respond and let me know what the hell sigil and shadow is because it just sounds so cool.
Hey, Joe, glad you finally got to your mom. Sorry about the all the hassle with the travel. I remember Spoonie. He used to do a lot of video game stuff, right? So there was a lot of video game walkthroughs and things like that, if I remember right. As far as Sigil and Sagil... Yeah, I can't even say it. Sigil and Shadow. It is a role-playing game of urban fantasy and occult horror by Osprey Role-Playing. So it's from Osprey Books, the same people that did the um, the one that you ran for us. Like the King Arthur kind of black hack thing that I'm brain farting on. But yeah, it's from them. It looks like it's a D100 light system. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's set in a mirror of our world. It's a role-playing game of urban fantasy and cold horror in which character... Do I have, how much time do I have? Oh, I missed that time. Uh, role-playing game, urban fantasy called horror, in which players take the roles of illuminated heroes and shadowed monsters to face the rising tide of supernatural forces. So, there you go. It's set in the modern world, yada, yada, yada. Um, setting offers a modern world buffeted by the tide's supernatural power where beings of myth wake from their slumber while modern cults sacrifice to pop culture gods and ancient cabals pursue their age-old schemes into the digital age. So, there you go. Honestly, I haven't ever played it. If Joe says it's good, I trust Joe's opinion, but I'm going to take my normal stance and tell you you should play Unknown Army's 2nd Edition instead. So that is my uneducated... Well, I'm educated on Unknown Armies, but that's my uneducated opinion. You yada 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 over the best part, dude. <laughs> Just kidding. A little Seinfeld reference there. But the King Arthur game that Jason was referring to, which I ran for him and some other folks, was Romance of the Perilous Lands. Remember when I talked about that for a while? I haven't looked at that book since I ran that session. I enjoyed the session. I, I It was a fun session. I thought the system was pretty cool. I mean, it has some flaws, but bring me a system with no flaws. And... Yeah, they they don't exist. Every game has flaws. So I I just really like that book, that hardcover book. Uh, it's it's just gorgeous. It's really really cool. But yeah, man. So, you know, Jason talked about how he didn't know much about Sigil and Shadow and he suggested Unknown Armies. But before we get to Unknown Armies eventually way down the road at some point, possibly, let's hear from somebody who is edumacated about Sigil and Shadow, and that would be Joe Salvador, the Raven God himself. So, Joe, take it away, my dude. Hey, man. Sigil and Shadow is an RPG from Osprey Games. Um, it kind of does basically what World of Darkness does. It's a kind of a minimalist... I mean, that's not the right word. It's a, it's a deep percentile game based off of, I think, Bare Bones Fantasy, which is pretty slim. Um, it has a really interesting, like, magic system, which I probably need to read again. I don't think I can really explain it. Um, but, yeah, you can do uh, vampires and werewolves. You can do uh, something like the Supernatural show, uh, X-Files. I think all of that would work with, with Sigil and Shadow. It really kind of reminds me of the old game Dark Matter, which is an alternative game from... Uh, I don't know if TSR did that or Watsi. I think it was Watsi. Um, yeah, but that was a cool game. I always liked that, and I kind of wanted to get back to this, but uh, where's the time? Sooner or later. See ya. Yo, thank you, Joe, and thank you, Jason. Between the two of you, I have a little bit of feel for the game. Uh, and based on... The names alone, 
between the game Jason mentioned, Unknown Armies, and the game you mentioned, Joe, Sigil and Shadows. I gotta go Sigil and Shadows. It's just a way cooler name, man. It's kind of like the Boba Fett thing. You know, I talked about how I like Boba Fett the best because he looked the coolest. And then Henchman pointed out that Boba Fett is also the baddest bounty hunter in the land. So, yeah, sometimes it is good to judge a book by its cover. (laughs) Anyway, but, you know, I haven't played a whole lot in modern settings. I play primarily in the fictional past. I played a little bit in fictional futures, but just not very much in the fictional present. So a game like Sigil and Shadows or possibly Unknown Army, you know, I mean, there's Cthulhu set in the modern times, but yeah, I feel like Sigil and Shadow leans a little more into the fantastical than Cthulhu does, even though Call of Cthulhu is a fantasy game with some horror elements thrown in there. But primarily, it's a fantasy game. Um, Yeah, Sigil and Shadow sounds like it might be cool. But you mentioned that you could run a really good... Or you mentioned that you could run werewolves and vampires in Sigil and Shadow. And so, let's get back on that werewolf kick. Because in an earlier episode, Jason mentioned... Well, first, Carl mentioned Icelandic werewolves. And Jason mentioned... If we're going to play a game with Icelandic werewolves, everyone needs to be playing as a Bjork. (laughs) So Carl, being the magnanimous, awesome dude that he is, responded to that. He's been thinking about it. He's been mulling it over. And Carl's about to drop some knowledge on us on how one could play an all-Bjork werewolf game. (laughs) So Carl, dude... Drop your science, Mr. Geomologist. Sorry, Professor Geomologist, Dr. Geomologist. Let us know. All right. This is another response to Jason, and it is talking about the werewolf Icelandic tale. I guess you could have a number of Bjorks if we were playing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the different incarnations that are becoming incursions in the central world, but it might be more interesting to have the Bjork sisters or cousins and have them be members of the, or have different auspices, which is the, um, how they experience the first change. The, uh, werewolf I would use forsaken, not apocalypse. Um, so you'd have a full moon, Rahu determined, aggressive, warlike, Kahalith, Gibbous Moon, Passionate, Thoughtful, Expressive, Elodoth, Half Moon, Discerning, Observant, Even Tempered, Ithaur, Crescent Moon, Contemplative, Foresightful, Spiritual, Iraka, The New Moon, Inquisitive, Contrary, Resourceful. And then um, then you could have them from different tribes as well. There's some tribes that synergize with others, but you have Blood Talons that are Warriors, Defenders, Champions, Bone Shadows. Shaman, wise women, seers, haunters in the dark, stalkers, assassins, guardians, iron masters, innovators, progressives, improvisers, or storm lords, commanders, aristocracy, and alphas. And that would be kind of cool. They really suggest you have a a balanced group. And uh, these would be, I already kind of have an idea what the first adventure would be based on what I've read here in Forsaken, the main book, um, and in the pure book that I have. It would be some sort of a race 
um, and I take place in the uh, I don't know volcanic uh, covered volcano covered steps of uh, are they steps of Iceland snow and ice and fire I think that sounds pretty cool uh, I think I will start to work on it um, hopefully everyone's schedule will be cool and come about if not I guess this becomes a convention game and I'll throw it into the pile so yeah I think that's the idea and sure you could have the Bjork sisters I don't mind uh, the Bjork family um, quote-unquote family because it would be just a for people from different tribes that have come together um, for this mission uh, riding onto the shore of Iceland in the snow uh, the volcanoes and the smoke and ash in the distance as they hit the shore on their long ship. Yes, Carl, 100% yes to that. Will be will that be the second game on the docket at RichterCon 2020X? Or, you know, you might get that off before then, dude. But that game sounds awesome. Everyone playing, like, Bjork or one of Bjork's sisters or relatives and just being awesome dude as werewolves in iceland and yeah you know when you were talking about the long ships and the volcanic steps whether or not they are we can talk about the geology and topography later because i do not know but it really got me thinking of a band i might have talked about before called immortal they have an album sons of northern darkness it makes me a little nervous. You know, anytime I listen to that Nordic black metal stuff, I do get a little nervous because some of those guys are into some pretty heinous, awful shit. And so whenever I talk about it, I'm always like, ooh, are these guys the bad? Are they not good? But yeah, Sons of Northern Darkness is a pretty heavy black metal album all about just that you know they talk about the volcanoes and the land of fire and ice and viking shit and long ships it's pretty hard it's pretty hard but dude carl <laughs> that sounds like an awesome game man um because again i love werewolves i do i love werewolves and playing the idea of playing like werewolves in iceland you know, you'd be those big, like, Arctic wolves, dude. Like, woof, dude, silvery coats and just, bam, just hard as nails. I absolutely love it, man. So thank you for that brilliant, brilliant idea, dude. That just sounds fucking boss, dude. That's all I can say about it. So, yeah, you know, we heard from Jason earlier. He was talking about, uh, he was talking about Shadow and Sigil. Sigil and Shadow, not sure if what he thought about it, you know, he was hemming and hawing, but let's, let's, he, he made a decision. So let's, let's hear from Jason again. So because I trust Joe's, Joe Salvador's opinion, I just ordered Sig Sigil and Shadow. I will let you know how it is when it arrives. Um, as far as up, I, I mean, I guess I could see... Rooting for the bad guys at the end, maybe. The um, murder is... Well, I don't know if I want to spoil who the murderer is in Up, um, Janet Wood. But it you do have Kitten 
Natividad playing a naked Greek chorus, which is always great. Oh, wait, we're not talking about Russ Myers. We're talking about Pixar. Never mind. Wrong up. Um, let me get out of here. <laughs> when I first heard that message, as someone who's never seen the Pixar movie Up, I was like, there's a murder in Up? Pixar put a murder in their movie? And then I was like, oh, shit. So one, I feel like it's a good idea to trust Joe Salvador's opinion on a lot of things, even though I don't know the man very well. Uh, from what I do know, I'm like, yep, yeah, that, that dude seems like a solid dude. And then as far as Russ Myers goes, let's talk a little bit more about Russ Myers because Jason asked some questions to Carl about Russ Myers. And Carl, being the stand-up fella he is, has responded to Jason's question. So, Carl, what do you think of Russ Myers? Hey, Joe, listen to your podcast all the way through, and uh, now I'm going to call in. There are a few things to comment on, the first of which is awesome about Curse of the Crimson Throne. I'm glad you guys are now in book three, which I never got to, Escape from Old Corvosa. I feel like that initial scene was like a warm-up scene. Maybe, maybe it'll give you some overconfidence about what is to come. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've read through that. I like, uh, I liked that adventure. It seemed pretty cool um, from what I recall reading, though never got to get it to the table. So uh, I think you're going to have a lot of fun uh, in that adventure, and I can't wait to hear how it goes with for Templeton and his crew. So, uh, yeah, guess what? Another message. I am not a Russ Meyer fan. At least I don't know if I am or not. I don't recall seeing what his movies are or actively watching any of his movies. Um, I guess I'm going to need a list of movies and see if I've seen them. I Up, I don't think, is the Russ Meyer Up that you're talking about. I think Up is the one with the uh, old man that uh, puts a bunch of balloons on his house. And has a stowaway. Um, different up, Jason. Unless you think that that up, the Pixar up, is soft porn. And well, hey, everyone, everyone's, every, you know, you do you. No judgment. But um, yeah, okay. I think the next message is going to be about uh, the last call that Jason sent you. Okay, sorry, I forgot there was a bit about Curse of the Crimson Throne in there first. But yeah, Carl, Curse of the Crimson Throne so far is pretty awesome. I forgot we were actually in book three. I was thinking we were still in book two, but you're right. I'm pretty sure we're in book three. And I, I <laughs> if that first encounter that I described in the earlier episode was designed to give the PCs a sense of overconfidence, it worked 100%. Because seriously, I was like, dude, this is so easy. But the the title of the adventure, the name of the book, is, as Carl mentioned, Escape from Old Corvosa. And we are still in Old Corvosa and have not tried to leave Old Corvosa yet. So there is a lot left to come. But I do appreciate you talking about Templeton and his crew because it is. <laughs> it totally is. Um, and it rules. So yeah, dude, I will absolutely keep you posted on how Curse of the Crimson Throne goes. And as far as the whole Russ Myers things, you summed it up perfectly there, Carl. You do you. That phrase is so 
important and so true. You do you. That's exactly right. And that's the way it should be, right? You do you, buddy. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as, you know, you just do you. So, yeah, that uh, that kind of leads us in. That kind of leads us back into the political talk. Because there are people around the world, not just in America, around the world, in a lot of totalitarian governments, um, that don't want people... They don't like the phrase, you do you. That's not how they want it. Uh, they want you to do what they want you to do, not what you want to do. They want to take away your freedoms. And yeah, so let's get into it. It's just three calls. We got one from Jason, two from Carl. We'll start off with the one from Jason. And uh, yeah, so Jason, take it away, man. Someday over beers, we can discuss it. I think there is a validation to the way the court was originally set up. You don't want your Supreme Court to change every election cycle. So you need to have some way to do it. Now, do you do that with 20-year terms or some kind of longer term that's not quite lifetime? Do we make lifetime like a lifetime jail sentence? Maybe. I don't know. That's something something worth discussing. But longer terms are definitely necessary so the courts aren't changed every election cycle. So there, there, there is value in long-term court appointments, but, you know, we can argue how long long-term is. Um, and I've got a feeling we probably wouldn't be that far apart on that in the long run. But that's as political as I'm going to get. So take care. Enjoy your time with your family. Talk to you soon. Yeah, dude, for sure. Like, we are in 100% agreement on this, Jason. Um, I agree that it can't be a short term position, you know, because we don't want the courts changing that fast, even though in recent years they did, (laughs) you know, because of shenanigans. Um, but I agree, you know, you mentioned a 20 year term for the Supreme court here in America. I was thinking maybe more like 12, maybe 16, but again, that's just, that's just details, you know, you can work that shit out. But we're both in agreement that lifetime terms don't work. Um, they're not they're not good for a democracy, right? Like democracy shouldn't have lifetime terms. That's what totalitarian governments are for. That's what. Yeah. So me and you, Jason, Lynn. You know, everyone probably knows this, but Jason and I are friends. I consider him a good friend. uh, And we have, you know, we're on different sides of the spectrum, not on different sides of the battle for good versus evil. Uh, We are both on the side of good. Jason is one of the good guys, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And so I appreciate you, Jason, calling in, man. That's that's awesome, dude. And yeah, again, we are 100% on the same page. Somewhere between 12 and 20 years, I think, would be a fantastic term limit for the Supreme Court justices. It would take away the idea from the parties that we need to stuff the Supreme Court with as many 
as many people as we can. So we're going to use shady tactics and tell lies and be hypocrites. Oh, we can't, we can't, you know, appoint a Supreme Court justice right before an election during one presidency and then shove down three Supreme Court justices before an election in another presidency. You know, it would take away all that shenanigans because everyone would know like, yeah, you're, you get your people in there, but they're going to be gone eventually. So yeah, man, a hundred percent. Let's do away with lifetime appointments. They are bad. They do not work in a democracy. They are actually anathema to a democracy. All right. Well, sweet, man. So let's wrap it up with Carl. Carl's got some thoughts on the subject. Uh, And yeah, after that, I'll say some closing words. And then this episode will be over. So Carl, take it away. Hey, Joe, it's time to get political. Um, Yeah, it's crazy what's going on right now. And I guess what bothers me the most is the hypocrisy saying that, for example, the insurrection is protected by our First Amendment free speech rights. Um, We can lie under oath, even if we're in the highest uh, office in the land that is not uh, an elected office. Uh, We can lie on the stand by saying, I do not recall uh, if you're an elected official. Um, Heaven forbid that uh, the definite legitimate moral outrage on this Roe versus Wade thing um, causes people to protest. And that's when all the dog whistling comes out um, by the people who protect the insurrection. Um, Those protesters, they're just violent because, you know, dog whistle. And the fact that they also are expressing outrage that Supreme Court Justice Alito has to leave his neighborhood after the neighbors um, protest and his own neighbors organize a protest in front of his house and, you know, make loud noises and all that kind of stuff that he's, quote unquote, afraid for his life. I mean, come on. I mean, I didn't want any harm to come to his family. um, But come on, man. I mean, if you ever drive by a Planned Parenthood, you see there are a lot of protesters and they are, they target anyone who goes in there, even if you're just going in there to get some birth control or get a health checkup because, well, you don't, you can't pay for a doctor. I mean, they do that at any sort of clinic that uh, caters to uh, people who cannot afford it. There's protesters throwing things. So uh, fear for your life. Oh my gosh. A rich man fearing for his life. Yep, Carl. Yeah, man. The hypocrisy is thick, dude. It's thick. You know, imagine, here's a thought experiment. Imagine just for a second, one of the five Supreme Court justices who's trying to overturn this long-held law. What if they got pregnant against their will? What if somehow they got pregnant against their will? They were forced to get pregnant. How do you think that would go? Do you really think they would carry for all they carry the child to term all nine months. You really think they would do that? They were forced to get pregnant against their will as a sitting Supreme court justice. You really think they would do that? That's the question. That's the thought experiment. What do I think? Since I was the one who posed the question, fuck no, they wouldn't. There's not a chance in hell. They would, um, 
Because they're all hypocrites. They're all hypocrites, man. Yeah, dude. It, it's just, it's a power play, right? And then they throw up the argument, no, it should be a state's rights thing. Really? Really? We're going to say human rights are a state's rights thing? Okay, so where does that stop, right? Where does that stop? Should we rescind the American with Disabilities Act? Should that be a state's rights thing? Should some states be able to not serve people with disabilities? What about the Civil Rights Act? Should that be a state's rights thing? Because that worked really well in our past. That worked great in our past. Um, You can't have basic human rights, bodily autonomy as a state's rights issue. That's dumb. That leads to madness. That leads to fucking madness. So yeah, it's it's not about states' rights. That's a false argument. Uh, doesn't it doesn't fly? It doesn't pass muster. Uh, it, it's it's just silly, man. It's silly. Eventually, the bad guys will lose. The hypocrites will lose. I just don't know when that'll be, but. I can't wait for the day. I can't wait for the day. Anyway, man, let me get out of here. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's that, you know, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's my show. I get to talk about whatever I want. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. And that's totally cool. I'm not doing this for listens or anything. I'm just speaking my truth. But, you know, I want to thank everybody who called in. Joe Salvador, Goblin Senchman, Carl Rodriguez, Jason Connerly. You dudes are bosses, man. You are all part of the good guys. I firmly believe that in my heart and soul. And I appreciate each and every one of you. I do. I, I appreciate your thoughts. Uh, I appreciate you, as a, you all as people. And, yeah, you know, that's really what it comes down to. I do have hope for the future. I will always have hope for the future. It's just the present that I'm a little worried about. But the future, the future is going to be awesome. And you can't prove that it won't be because it hasn't happened yet. So blah. (laughs) Anyway, the future rules. You all rule for listening. Those of you who are still with me, I appreciate it. And yeah, until next time. Peace out.